gather today. We pray all of these things in your name. Amen. Well, if you watch TV today, I'm going to guess there's a good chance you do it differently than you did 20 years ago. Um, It used to be when you watched a TV show, everybody sat down and watched the TV show at the same time. Uh, My parents would talk about when there were only like three channels, and so you had to watch whatever was on. But in the internet age, we all do something very different. I'm not even going to say we watch TV shows. We binge TV shows. If you say you don't binge a TV show and you have Netflix, I don't believe you. Um, if you if you haven't seen the little warning that says, are you still watching? <laughs> have you really lived? And to binge a show, if you don't know about this, to binge a show is to watch an entire show in one sitting. Okay, maybe a few sittings. But the point is with streaming services, you don't have to wait anymore for next week for the next episode to come on. You can watch every episode, every single episode of a TV show. You can watch it as often as you want. I actually, this last week, restarted watching The West Wing for like the fifth time, because you have to. But I can remember when this shift happened. I'm just the right age where I remember the before times and the after times. And one of the first shows that I ever sat down and binged was an HBO show called Six Feet Under. In fact, I might have had the DVDs for this show. Do you remember DVDs? It's like Netflix, but on a little disc. Well, the show uh, revolves around a topic that isn't generally brought up in polite company. Six Feet Under is about death. It's actually about a family that runs a funeral home. And so uh, every one of the 63 episodes of Six Feet Under begins the same way, with someone dying often in an unusual and unexpected way. So that's what the show is about, death, and how we deal with dying. You know, a really light subject. But what the show is best known for is actually the finale, the final episode, which aired in 2005. And the title of that episode made me think about All Saints Day. The final episode is called Everyone's waiting. Which, if you're nervous about death, everyone's waiting can be a little bit unsettling. What do you mean? Everybody's waiting for what? For death? But over the course of the show, uh, the growth of the character's experience actually prepares them for the reality that we all will face. And in fact, what they learn is two things. They are going to die someday, and everyone is waiting for them. And this waiting, the way the show puts a spin on it, it's not just waiting to die, it's not just waiting to de- for death, but that final episode of the show actually tells us everyone is waiting, not just for what happens at the end, but rather everyone is waiting for how you are going to add the story of your life to this world. How are you going to stop worrying about what inevitably comes for all of us and participate in the life that we have seen lived around us? We get to weave our own meaning and purpose into this greater whole. So we need to get moving. 
we belong to a greater story. And that's what our scripture is actually about today. We're going to read a passage from Revelation that is basically about this. Everyone is waiting. There is a story that is going on that we are a part of that we have to stop and notice. And it is the story of God's work in creation. So with that, let's hear our passage today from the book of Revelation. After this, I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God. Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these robed in white, and where have they come from? I said to them, Sir... You are the one who knows. Then he said to me, These are they who come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to the springs of the water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Oh, my, may God bless this reading. Well, the book of Revelation is uh, one of the most misunderstood books in the Bible, uh, not least of all because of its title. Uh, it is Revelation, not Revelations. There's only one revelation in the book. It is the revelation of John of Patmos, not John of the Gospels. Are you confused yet? But the imagery of this letter actually has a lot of symbolic meaning. Um, at the time, the Christians were facing one of the earliest persecutions by the Roman Empire. Um, it is believed that shortly after a fire burned down a large part of Rome, that Christians faced persecution. We know this fire because we've all, most of us have probably heard the, the saying, Nero fiddled while Rome burned. Well, Nero was tired of taking heat for the fire, and so he blamed the Christians. And it started the earliest persecution. So Revelation is probably written at this time. When Christians are facing persecution, when they are facing the wrath of the Roman Empire. And you've got to think the church at this point is a pretty fledgling group. There aren't very many of them. And they are wondering if the Roman Empire decides that it doesn't want us anymore, how are we possibly going to get through this? What if this Jesus thing comes to nothing? What if the movement, the church, is snuffed out? What if we're wasting our time? What is the purpose of all of this? And so the images of Revelation, if you follow the literary meaning of the book, reveal that something else is going on. Something that cannot be seen. 
there is a spiritual war between God and the powers of evil. And I could preach a whole sermon series on the imagery. There's a beast with seven heads. It was popular lore that Rome was founded on a hill, on, a, on the side of seven hills. Uh, 616 or 666, the mark of the beast can be transliterated in, into Nero's name. So we know that this was written as a letter encouraging Christians about the Roman Empire, that there was indeed a spiritual battle going on, that these early Christians were not alone. And so whenever they felt defeated or hopeless or lost, they can believe that there was more going on. Later images in the church, you would see pictures of a table and underneath it, people would be sitting underneath a communion table. This was later on in Christian history and it was believed that those were the martyrs, the folks who had been killed for the faith. And the idea was that they were present at the table. In fact, the table stood on their support. They were the foundation of it. So this is similar to the imagery in Revelation. There is more going on. And this in so many ways is key to Christianity and not just the early church, but our community. We are, as Christians, as people of faith, part of a much bigger story. A story which goes back in time to the very beginning. Believers have gathered in churches, tried their best to be faithful, sometimes in circumstances that weren't very good. But they always built communities, supported one another, prayed with one another, served those in need, worshipped together, gave thanks together. In the book of Revelation, the image we heard today was these folks who were gathered together wearing robes. And the one with John says that these have been through the great ordeal. And of course, that would have meant the persecution those he, are saying, he is seen are those who have already been killed. They are waiting for what God is doing, which will restore all things. You know, as Christians in America, we, we're not really going through an ordeal like the early Christians went through. We don't have the same problems with persecution. And yet, we do stop to remember as a community, the, there are folks who have already gone ahead whose lives have been lived and who we have said goodbye to. We're in the middle of a story. We are picking up the thread they have begun. Those who are already gathered, those who our communion table rests on for support. They are already gathered with the Lord, waiting for the moment when all shall be made right. When, as John says in the letter, pain and suffering and tears shall be no more. So earlier in the final season of Six Feet Under, uh, Nate, who's one of the main characters, makes some quippy comment about, well, everyone's just waiting to die. And if you watch the show, Nate is that guy who just cannot get over the fear of death. And so he remarks on it. Everyone is waiting to die. No one wants to die. Everyone wants to know what a meaningful life looks like. So how do we not just waste our time on earth? And this is the flip that the final episode makes. The title, Everything Waiting, Everyone's Waiting, 
It's actually flipping Nate's fear and anxiety on its head. Yes, we will all die. I hope I'm not breaking that to you. Someday, someone will light a candle on the altar in the church and read our name. As we will do in a few moments with the candles which are up here, and the names of the folks who have died in this last year in our community. But in the meantime, everyone's waiting for us to add our story to the legacy that they have set up, to jump in and write our own parts, to be a part of the story of those who have come before us. We are not starting anew with our lives, but are picking up where they left off. You know, by the end of the final episode of Six Feet Under, Claire, who is Nate's younger sister, is ready to face a new adventure that is full of uncertainty. It's a new beginning that hasn't quite started yet. She doesn't know what it will hold. There's uncertainty, fear about launching her life. And yet, you start to realize at the end of the episode that she knows. She lives in the legacy of those who came before her. And one day, others will see her in their own story carrying on her life's work. So everyone is waiting. This is part of being church. And we are part of a church, a congregation here that extends back in time. Uh, in this particular church, First Christian Church of Lafayette, Indiana, this is our fourth or fifth building, if you don't count the courthouse downtown, which is where we met in 1838 when the church was planted. Can you imagine what Lafayette must have been like in 1838? I mean, just, I'm going to guess that we would have been on the outskirts of town here at 6th and North. Just wasn't very much here. Sometime in the first few decades of this church's existence, Alexander Campbell, the founder of the Disciples of Christ, visited First Christian Church in Lafayette on his farewell tour of Indiana. In the early part of the 19th century, he had broken away from the Presbyterian church of his youth, seeking a more faithful way to follow Christ. And those Presbyterians, they would trace their roots back to Calvin and Zwingli and the Reformation in Switzerland, I've been reading about lately. And before that, folks within the Roman Catholic Church would have worked towards reforming their institution to make it more faithful. Thomas Aquinas and Anselm of Canterbury and Augustine and Origen and St. Paul and Peter and Mary and all the rest. All of that story goes back to Jesus himself and, of course, goes back before that. The Maccabees, the prophets from Ezekiel to Isaiah to the judges, Deborah and Samson and others, back to Joshua and Moses and Ruth and Naomi and Isaac and Ishmael, Abraham and Sarah, back to Noah and all the way back to Adam and Eve. It is a long, long story. And when we try to orient our lives around God's action in the world, we're not starting from scratch. And those folks, the eons of people who have sought to live faithfully, I mean, they didn't agree on everything. We know that. You get a few Christians in a room and you'll have more than a few opinions about things. 
there have been many disagreements, folks with different views, folks with different priorities. The context you're in matters. We probably wouldn't write about the threat of the Roman Empire today because it's not a threat. But we continue to strive, picking up where previous generations have left off, adding our own story to the story of faith of those who gathered already, who have gone through the great ordeal. Everyone's waiting. So in a few moments, we will light candles and read the names of those in our community we have said goodbye to in the last year. Some of these folks were members here. Some of them were family members. We have a couple of pets. I'm not reading the name of the pets. They were ours. They all lived lives of faith, though. They tried their best. Sometimes they got it right, and sometimes they were wrong. But their lives have shown what it means to follow God. They have inspired creativity and generosity in us. They have modeled hospitality and kindness. They have laughed with us and cried with us, sat with us when we were needing a friend, corrected us when we needed correcting. Doesn't mean they were all perfect. I, for one, am glad that being perfect is not a prerequisite for being a saint. But as we rem remember them today, we remember that we are part of their story. Just as they added their story to the folks who came before them. And so as we go to the Lord's table, as we remember these saints, may we remember their contributions to our lives. May we pick up where they left off. Everyone's waiting. Let us pray. Well, holy God, we give you thanks for this community, for the ways in which you've helped us be church, for the people you've put in our lives, for those who have helped show us what it means to be faithful. We give you thanks today, O oh God. We pray for your continued presence that we might see you in all things, and in all ways in our lives, we might seek to be faithful, living according to your goodwill, your grace, your love. Amen.